battles, bloodshed, conflict. The ancient Greeks were always at war. War forged their ideals of the perfect citizen, the clash of bronze on bronze and later iron on iron to find masculinity and freedom. In 431 BC, the Athenian statesman Pericles gave a famous oration for dead soldiers. In it, he said of the fallen, they joyfully accepted the risk, choosing to die resisting rather than live submitting and fled only from dishonor. Having judged that to be happy means to be free and to be free means to be brave, none shied away from the risks of war. In the early 20th century, a poet named Ezra Pound captured the Greek attitude perfectly. He wrote in part, I have no life save when the swords clash. But ah, when I see the broad fields turn crimson, then howl I my heart mad with rejoicing. This is episode 30 of Garner's Greek Mythology. We have listeners from 141 countries and counting. Welcome to everyone wherever you are. I'm your host, mythologist and best-selling author Patrick Garner. These stories about the gods have been told for thousands of years, but now there are new stories that are as compelling. If you haven't done so already, check out my books about the gods in the contemporary world. You can read more about them and about this podcast at patrickarnerbooks.com. And as always, this podcast focuses on one thing, Greek gods, of course. They, like you, are here now. The frenzy and euphoria that the poet Ezra Pound taps are universal. He puts his finger on the primal reactions to life and death. The thousands of years separating us from the ancient Greeks have not changed our response to war. In life, there is what the Greeks called stasis, that is, a routine day-to-day lives. There's also its opposite, the excitement that comes from fighting for ideals and the exhilaration of that struggle. Wars in ancient Greece were largely citizen wars. Men who fought were potters, farmers, and even philosophers. Socrates, one of the most important philosophers of all time, served repeatedly as an Athenian foot soldier. The Spartans were the exception as they fielded professional soldiers. I say professional as the Spartans trained constantly for war. And as an aside, I'll note that a coming episode will focus specifically on the Spartans. But today we're looking at the amateur soldier, the typical Greek citizen. Many of these citizens went into battle hoping to become heroes. But hero may not mean what you think. Hero in ancient Greece meant something very different than how we use the term today. A hero in ancient Greece was almost exclusively a warrior, young, strong, and exceptionally brave. Through his bravery, he became a champion. Not only that, a Greek hero expected to die in war 
and always to die performing exceptional feats. He was not someone just doing a difficult job. He expected to give his life quickly and without hesitation. For instance, a mother in Sparta would tell her son going off to war that he was to return either with a shield or return on top of it. In other words, a soldier was expected to fight heroically, and for his bravery, he was promised the title of hero, the highest honor for a Greek. Where did these heroic ideals arise? We can pin them to what was for the Greeks, the defining war of all wars. About 1200 BC, 3200 years ago, dozens of unaffiliated towns, cities, and tribes joined together because of a woman who had been kidnapped by a prince. Or perhaps she hadn't really been kidnapped at all. Many ancient writers claim she fled willingly with a man named Paris while her husband was away. Regardless, the event led to the famous Trojan War. It was equivalent to a world war at the time. And that war created multiple heroes, men who forever personified the Greek ideal of the selfless champion. Some who fought in Troy survived the war. Others died courageously on the battlefield. Because of the ancient writer Homer, none were forgotten. And I speak of Achilles, Agamemnon, Menelaus, Odysseus, Patroclus, Ajax, and so many others. The reputations of all were made on the shores of Troy. I've spoken of heroes, but I've said nothing about the Olympic gods who helped to forge them. The gods inspired and fired the bravery of every Greek and Trojan hero. Zeus manipulated men and gods alike. Ares screeched over every battlefield. Hephaestus crafted invincible weapons. Goddesses were equally involved. Athene, as the goddess of war, wove protective cloaks around her favorite Greek heroes. She was particularly famed for helping Odysseus. As the goddess of wisdom as well as war, Athene was drawn to his wit and intelligence. On the other hand, Artemis, the huntress, favored the Trojans and criticized her brother Apollo for refusing to shoot his arrows at the Greeks. Zeus's wife Hera was a fierce advocate for the Greeks. The sea god Poseidon was active in the war as well, secretly favoring the Greeks. Zeus told Poseidon to stay out of the war, yet Hera distracted Zeus so that the sea god could secretly intervene. And so the Olympic gods took sides, jousting and betraying each other for one selfish reason after another. And if we look at the record, the model of the faultless warrior, the fighter that was idealized for a millennium, was developed on the killing fields of Troy. Thousands of men died, and the brave man who eagerly awaited his own death, the man who became the Greek heroic ideal, arose from that savage combat.
But war spawned ideals other than that of the ideal warrior. There was an unwritten law to which all Greeks adhered. At the end of any battle, each side would gather their dead and wounded. This dictate was not negotiable. Perhaps the most telling story took place in 406 BC. The Greeks, against all odds, won the greatest naval battle ever recorded up to that time. It was an unlikely victory. Young, inexperienced Greek recruits, including slaves who were promised their freedom, went out against a professional Spartan navy. The sea battle took place near the Arganusae Islands off the coast of present-day Turkey. To everyone's disbelief, the Greeks routed the Spartans. Even the enemy's naval commander was killed. Although the Athenians prevailed, both sides lost ships. In the skirmish, hundreds of men fell overboard. As the battle ended, a violent storm whipped up. Collecting the dead and wounded became impossible. Night fell. The sea swallowed those who clung to debris. Having no choice, the Greeks returned home, believing themselves glorious victors. Yet the ten generals who had commanded the Greek fleet were brought to trial. Their crime? Failing to retrieve the dead and wounded. A week earlier, the generals were celebrated. They represented the most experienced military officers in Athens. Yet all were condemned to death for this breach of conduct and executed within a day. The dead and wounded shall not be left behind. That was the Greek rule. Further, if the dead and wounded were abandoned, those responsible were punished. Today's military units, today's elite military units, resist leaving their injured behind. There are stories of immense bravery by soldiers who risk their lives to save their buddies. War exposes the ideals and the imperfections of countries. To the ancient Greeks, no soldier could be abandoned. All were honored. All were heroes. There are other differences between ancient and modern warfare. In ancient Greece, generals often led the charge. They inspired. They fired up their troops. They could be seen on the front line by their own soldiers and, as importantly, by the enemy. A stellar example is Alexander the Great. He was always in the forefront of battle, while his Persian opponents, as one example, were intense, far away seemingly too important to risk harm. The finest ancient leaders led the way. How many generals today engage in actual combat? The heroism that ancient war inspired in leaders has now been redefined. Similarly, the veneration that civilizations once gave to great warriors has vanished. Modern soldiers return home without celebration. Many struggle to find their way. Two thousand years ago, such a fate was unimaginable.
Let's spin back to the Trojan War. It was for the ancient Greeks, the war that forever overshadowed every war after it. Why? It had the ideal of fighting a grievous wrong, the kidnapping of beautiful Helen, who was another man's wife, and the allure of being Greece's first united effort in war. Dozens of Greek cities pledged men and ships to the effort. The Olympic gods took sides. Yet, for a decade, the walls of Troy resisted the Greek invaders. That is, until they didn't. Remember the Trojan horse? Athene, the goddess of war, worked with the Greek warrior Odysseus to deceive the Trojans. The Trojans believed that the horse was a concession and an acknowledgement by the Greeks that the war could not be won. Upon seeing it, the Trojans opened their gates, celebrating what appeared to be the Greeks' retreat. What they didn't know was that the horse contained the bravest of Greece's warriors, including Odysseus. That night, the Greek soldiers opened a hatch, slipped out, and slaughtered any Trojan who raised a cry. Within hours, the mighty city fell. All of the Trojan warriors were killed. The king and his sons were killed. Women and children were enslaved. In the end, the city was burnt to the ground. Its riches were plundered and divided among the victors. We know all this because of a blind poet named Homer. His account of the war is called the Iliad, and it was written 400 years after the event. In ancient Greek, Iliad means a series of disastrous events. But the Greeks interpreted the story differently. For them, the Trojan War was a glorious narration, chronicle, that immortalized its greatest heroes. Homer's descriptions of war itself, bloody combat that vividly recounted the deaths of endless warriors, mirrored their own experiences. War was visceral. Combat was man against man, spear thrust into shield, battle axe swung against thin bronze helmets. War was choking dust, screams, charging forward while your friend fell beside you, spear through his belly. The war god Ares hovered over the battlefield, shrieking in bloodlust. There was trickery and deceit. Zeus and Athena often took opposing sides. And heroes? It's almost unimaginable to us today that the Greek ideal was to take down a dozen of the enemy before being cut down yourself. Heroes died young and died gloriously. At home, the dead were celebrated and the families of champions were rewarded with lifelong food and shelter. Statues of superheroes like Achilles and Ajax were erected across Greece. Honor, praise, and reverence were showered on all men who fought bravely. Today, war has become electronic. Satellites and drones guide missiles launched from thousands of miles away. The Greek ideal of lionizing the brave has been replaced with a different ethos. Heroes, that is, men who rush into battle for glory and honor, have become 
quaint characters from the past. The celebrated American general George Patton, who was an ardent student of Greek warfare, wrote near the end of World War II, It is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. Were there ancient Greeks with similar sentiments? Perhaps Epicurus, the ancient Greek philosopher, summed up the Greek attitude best when he wrote of heroes, the art of living and the art of dying well are one. Another Greek philosopher, Heraclitus, wrote, Know that war is common and justice arises from strife. All things come into being and pass away through strife. War is as ancient as man. Jokuk Bach, acclaimed as the world's leading cognitive scientist and a philosopher, is emphatic about one thing. He says, war is evolution, and evolution advances mankind. Whether we agree with him or not, we can concede that today, societies have abandoned the Greek concept of heroism, yet war goes on. Join me for the next episode of Garner's Greek Mythology. If you love what you're here, be sure to visit patrickgarnerbooks.com or find me on Amazon. I assure you, my novels about the Greek gods are as entertaining as my podcasts. A great way to find out is to download my audible book, Homo Divinitus. You can get it at Amazon or on Audible. And thanks for listening. This is your host, Patrick Garner. <laughs>